Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com. Electrolytes in different strengths that match how you sweat. You can get 15% off your first order with the code OxygenAddict15. We're also brought to you by Thriver.co, the simple finger prick blood test you can do at home to track hormone, vitamin, and mineral levels in your body. 10% off all subscriptions with the code OxygenAddict10. All right, everybody, I hope you're all well. I hope you're having a good week. I have got a cracking interview for you this week. This week, we've got an interview with a young gentleman called Matt Hauser. Now, I had Matt on the podcast a couple of years ago now. Some of you will remember the interview. He uh, he had a horrific bike accident where someone opened a car door on him and in pretty much wrecked his season just after he'd won a gold medal in the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018 in the mixed relay. Um, super talented kid. He's still only, I think he's only 21 or 22 still. Um, so we won a gold medal in the mixed relay there. He had the fastest run leg and he was also world junior champion in 2017. So really talented. Um, in 2019, he won a couple of world cups In 2020, he was eighth in Malula bar. And, um, we basically, we have a great conversation. He's one of these kids who I left the conversation, hung up the hung up the Skype call, jumped straight into my kit and went out training because I was so inspired by the way he'd been talking about his, just his passion for training. So I really think you're going to enjoy it and I hope it has the same effect on you that it had on me. Really fires you up to go out and do a bit of training. Yeah, really, really nice little dude. Um, yeah, so listen, let's talk about what's been going on. In terms of like triathlon stuff at the moment, there's not a huge amount of results to talk about, is there? So I don't think there's, that certainly doesn't feel right to me to sit here and talk about results of Zwift races and the results of Ironman VR type stuff that's going on. Um, but what I will say is I personally have discovered the joys of racing on Zwift these last couple of weeks. Uh, for what are we now, I think we're in week entering week 13 of my team's lockdown training plan. And you'll remember for the first, you know, for the first eight weeks or so, I was really, really hesitant. I was really against people doing high intensity work. I was really concerned about people potentially putting themselves in danger of weakening their immune systems and being at risk of catching this virus. Um, and those those stresses have eased over time, and I'm now quite comfortable with both my athletes and myself doing a couple of harder, higher intensity sessions each week. And I, I feel like it's brought some normality back, and I've realized that probably the stress relief that comes with that normality of training and the normality of the more normal training routine has been massively, massively positive. Obviously, I can't swim at the moment. Um but getting to bike and run and do some harder work on the bike has been really positive for my mental health, certainly for a lot of the athletes I coach. And we've gradually introduced over time a little bit higher intensity on our Tuesday interval sessions. So remember, you can jump on with us actually on our Oxygenetic Triathlon Podcast Power Hour Ride. That's 7.15 on Tuesdays UK time on Zwift. You can just search it on the list of events on the right-hand side. Anyone can come to that. Um, and that's going to be an hour of structured interval training Everyone sticks together as a big group. Everyone works hard. Everyone, I don't know whether you want to call it, suffers the same or enjoys it the same, but it's a great thing to do. Within the team, we've also introduced a weekly time trial as well. We've been doing the sort of 10-mile time trial that there is on Zwift, and I missed it last week. So I jumped into a proper Zwift race this weekend for the first time in possibly ever, actually. I think I did one back in the early days. 
Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I picked one of those races where I thought, right, okay, I'm going to be able to stick with this pack. I'm going to be f- relatively conservative. I picked the C race rather than the B race. Um, a friend of mine had warned me, look, it's going to be absolutely nuts from the gun. So you've got to be willing to really go crazy. And sure enough, for like the first five or six minutes of this race, it was 110, 115% of threshold just trying to stay with the front group. And I gave up. I, I thought, I can't do this. And we got onto a hill. It was on the Innsbruck course. And I was just getting dropped by what was clearly the front group forming. And I just didn't have that mental energy to really push myself over the top. And I really wish I had done, actually, because I realized for the rest of the race, it was five laps on the Innsbruck course. I realized that the groups come back together on the downhill. And if I just pushed that a little bit harder, I think I could have got on the back of that group. And once you're in the group, you don't have to put any anywhere near the kind of power out to stay in the group that you do in that sort of first five to seven minutes of the decider. Um, I ended up in the second group and sure enough, like I could get away on the hill, but I got caught by the 10 guys in the pack on the downhill. So there was no getting away from them there. I couldn't break away from them on the flat. So it turned into a kind of, like it felt relatively cruisy riding around in the pack. And I'll talk a bit more about this in terms of power numbers later. It was a full on like minute and a half effort up the hill, full on effort on the way on the downhill as we either try to get away and break the group up or trying to get back on sometimes the group if it had splintered, but the group tended to come back together again. Um, so the last couple of laps, I thought, right, I'm going to sit in. And I was putting out the, the minimum amount of power to stay out with the group. So I felt relatively comfortable. It felt like a kind of steady ride. And my brain was sort of saying, there's not really any point in doing this. You're kind of cruising along at a steady ride pace. You know you've never been a sprinter, so it's not going to come down too much in the sprint. But anyway, I gave it some 2K from the line. And I got away from the group, but I got caught with 200 yards to go. Um, and it was a great workout. I really enjoyed it despite the sort of that period towards the end where I was thinking, you know, part of my brain was thinking, this is a bit pointless really, because you're not working as hard as you could do. And part of me was thinking, well, this is great. You're in a race and you're kind of conserving a bit of energy. However, when I got off the bike and looked at the power file within training peaks, it was an hour and 10 minutes worth of racing. And my normalized power was at 90%. So I'd done an hour and 10 minutes at 90%, which is by far the longest and hardest workout I've done for the past 12 weeks. I've done some interval training. I've done some stuff where the main set might have been 30 minutes at 90%. I've not even done any interval sessions at 100% yet. So I was definitely lacking that top end. But my reflection afterwards was to think, well, there's no way that I could have ridden for 90% of FTP normalized for an hour and 10 minutes on my own. It would have felt like utter hell. To test that out, I jumped on Zwift today and I was doing some traditional sweet spot efforts I was doing 10 and 15 minute intervals at 90 percent and by the time 15 minutes of the intervals up I was ready to I was ready to take a good few minutes of really recovering at a low power again so it wasn't as I've magically got super strong on the bike I think it's the effect of the race it's the effect of the adrenaline it kind of uh gives you a bit of anesthetic for your legs but your legs don't know that that's the thing I think you will you'll get a better result out of yourself for less perceived effort within a race situation so if you've never tried it just 
pick a pick a race, pick a lower category to race in and just have a go and see how it feels because it was really good fun. I was really surprised how quickly an hour and 10 minutes went by. Um, a few more of my friends are entering races this week for the first time. And we've decided amongst us in Team OA, we're going to shake things up a bit this month. We're going to do, for our Thursday session, we're going to do either a team time trial or a race and just get people involved and get them to take part and have a go and just see how much fun it is because... Yeah, there's no two ways around it. It is a weird time at the moment, not getting out to see your mates, not getting out to train with your mates, not getting out to see your teammates or club mates a lot of the time. Just getting on Swift and seeing some familiar faces can be something that really breaks up that monotony. So highly recommend that you give that a go and yeah, and you know, just shake your week up a little bit. Um, as I said, I found for myself the the normality of thinking right i'm going to structure my week in terms of training i want to put a couple of interval sessions back in that's been massive in terms of my mental health it's been massive in terms of my positivity and how how i'm (coughs) excuse me really looking forward to different times in the week again and it's given me a bit of structure in a time when you know a lot of the time frankly i'm working at home on my own in my house on my own so there is a little bit of lack of structure there so if you're feeling the same might be something that you you know you really benefit from so if you haven't tried one of these before and you want to come and try one of the interval sessions it's 7 15 on a tuesday night uk time on swift you can search through for the oxygen addict triathlon power hour on the swift organized events there um don't be shy if you've got any questions fire them through to help oxygenetic.com and we'll help you out as much as we can but it's pretty self-explanatory and as long as your ftp is right and swift you'll stick together with the rest of the group um so yeah so that's all good um a bit of a shout out here for our sponsors thanks very much to precision hydration if you're doing lots of training indoors, you need to take care of keeping your electrolytes balanced, especially if you're a very heavy sweater or a very salty sweater like I am. You can really suffer with calf cramps. I've been getting them the last couple of weeks. I ran out of pH last week and have just got a new delivery through. So thanks very much to the guys for that. I was getting calf cramps in the night and waking up after training. So it's been a pretty unpleasant few days for me. But if you're a person who suffers with cramps or if you're a person who sweats a lot, you've really got to replace both the fluid and the electrolytes. So dead simple, jump on their website. You can take their online questionnaire that'll tell you or give you a really good lead as to whether you're a particularly heavy or salty sweater. And if you are, you can use the code OxygenAddict15 for 15% off your first order. The stuff's great. It comes in different strengths. I really, really rate it. It's one of my favorite products to use in terms of it being effective, but in terms of also it tastes great. It does taste salty uh, it gives just a little bit of tang into your water as you're drinking it so it's actually i prefer it just to the taste of normal water when i'm training so if you're not on it already i think you're missing out get on it and get yourself onto precision hydration all right guys let's uh, head over to our interview of the week with matt hauser all right matt welcome to the show um how are you doing today it's, it's nice to welcome you over all the way from sunny australia Thanks, thanks, Rob. Yeah, doing well, mate. Um, n- not so sunny at the moment. It's been um, a little bit chilly in uh, in the winter months here. I, I know for speaking for Aussies, it's um, it's cold enough being around ten degrees, whereas you guys, it's a it's probably a warm summer's day. So um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're, we're doing okay over here in Queensland, and um, yeah, yeah, doing well. Good stuff. Well, listen, let's let's kick off by telling people a little bit about you and your background. Um, you were world junior champion in i think get this right was it 2017 is that right mate in rotterdam yeah 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 you were world junior champion in 2017 um you then 
sort of well to me it was a surprise anyway maybe it wasn't to you but fourth place at the Gold Coast Olympic Games you really you really came storming through onto the world scene with that race um so it was a, a pretty spectacular couple of years for you there followed by what was a bit of a, a bit of an unfortunate instant after that but let's let's come to that later let's let's kick off by talking about the the world championships in 2017 first up how did you end up getting into triathlon in the first place um yeah good question i, I think i was um a bit of a like a, a natural sportsman I, I played a lot of um australian football um afl and uh and lo- loved my cricket as well so I was into that at an early age, and that was due to my dad being um, into beach sprinting and, and other sports as such as AFL as well. So, um, and then like through school, I kind of got into some cross country and some athletics, and really loved it. Um, and then, yeah, really found a passion for triathlon a little bit later on when I got to, you know, get a bit more diverse in my sports range and picked up a bike and some goggles, and um, yeah, it kind of just took me from there. I just loved the variety of it and um the extra challenge i guess on top of you know just running so um so yeah that's what i kind of loved about it so um australian rules football then that's that's going to do something to uh to to mean that you don't find the hustle and bustle of transition quite as stressful as the other people around you i'd imagine it's all right yeah yeah i've had a i've had a couple of concussions um when in my early days of afl so yeah i'm um i'm a little bit thicker skin i think well hopefully <laughs> Also, also in the also in the the WTS swim starts, mate. Those are those are brutal when we get to the first boy. So, um, yeah, it certainly helps with that. I was going to say, like on a serious note, do you think do you think it helps with the with the kind of staying calm under pressure and 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 staying calm as it all kicks off as you're because those swims are really full on. The first couple of hundred meters in that first boy, I think it's difficult for most age groupers to to imagine quite what you go through around that first boy so is it something that helps you keep calm under pressure do you relish that yeah i don't yeah well funny you say about the age group is because i would i would think they would full well understand if they'd been to kona um and starting with the <laughs> two thousand others at the, the start line and you know it just looks like a sea of ants you know just yeah. swimming along so um yeah I, I guess it does and um yeah that probably just brings it back to like um you know keeping it within your controllables and just trying to get the best start as possible and like get some clear water at the start and it's all about those first like 10 strokes and you know the um the dolphin kicks underwater is like that's just just essential like little one percenters that can get you out in front and um hopefully avoid that hustle and bustle but then you also need to be prepared if you do get caught up in a bad start to to kind of like breathe stay calm and don't stress out too much because that that's when you you know you get over that red zone and start freaking out so yeah yeah and it's good to know that pros have the same experience that we do as well that you've you've got to remind yourself to stay calm and not freak out i think that's the key isn't it exactly yeah you can get ahead of yourself your, your mind's racing you know a million miles an hour especially when you're in a a fairly uncontrollable environment such as the water i guess and, you know the bike you can control a little bit more and the run even more so so yeah definitely remain calm nice and then what age did you start sort of taking swimming seriously i know over in australia you do you do tons of stuff with like i don't know whether you'd call it little nippers anymore but like the beach lifeguard type of stuff i remember when i was over there backpacking yeah. it it blew my mind just the sort of 
people turn up in packs on the beach and a dad puts a boy out and the little dudes are racing out around them and back in and out over 50 meters. So that's a tremendous amount of conditioning that goes on just when you're, just when you're having fun almost, isn't it? Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, that was a big part of dad's upbringing as well. The nippers, I, I probably had a month or two in me and then gave it up cause I was doing, you know, 10 other sports at the same time. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, um, the, the culture, I guess here in Australia, the nippers, you know, you've got 12, 13 year old kids that could probably smash me, you know, in an ocean swim because I've just got that skill, the, um, you know, duck diving waves and, you know, handling conditions like sweeps and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up in Harvey Bay, which was, a which is a bay. So there's, there's not many waves cause it's protected by Fraser Island. So, um, I had a bit more of a calmer beginning to, to swimming and, and not as much experience, um, in the waves, but I'm here on the Gold Coast now and I've, kind of gotten the hang of it um which is which is nice especially when it comes to swells you know if, if there's swells and races like Bar world cup so yeah yeah nice okay good so what age did you really get into triathlon then and, and give it a go for the first time yeah probably i would say i started like doing aquathons um maybe like 11 or 12 years old and that was just through school sport um and then basically as soon as i got to high school and age of 13 i um, I borrowed my first bike. It was like a giant TCR or something like that from a friend. And um, yeah, I, looking back at, I looked at back at a few of the photos, you know, the other day, and it was like me just like riding like this, you know, like <laughs> very like upright and rigid, and it was just not aero at all. But um, I like to think I've come a long way with that. Um, but yeah, certainly through the years and um, being like progressing through the triathlon Australia pathway, it was it was quite a seamless um, kind of transition for me, I think, from normal life to, you know, being consumed by this triathlon lifestyle. Okay. And, and at what point would you say you were really sort of all in in triathlon? What age did that kick in for you? Um, I think maybe when I first won my, my first, like, national schools title. Uh, I think I was 14 years of age, and that kind of came at a bit of a shock to me because I think I came only fifth in the States and then um, went into the nationals, not really expecting too much, but, um, my bike ended up being one of the strongest legs, um, into the headwind and, um, yeah, just, just loved it. And I think, yeah, that kind of solidified in my mind that I could go somewhere in the sport and, um, yeah, got a full-time coach for triathlon and then just, it was just all in from then on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I kind of had to, between that and AFL and it was pretty easy with the injuries that I was getting from AFL that I was, um, yeah, suited to, uh, to triathlon. So the sport where you get less injured that's the one to go for isn't it <laughs> which is very ironic for me at the moment it's being you know several several bike crashes down the track <laughs> <laughs> hey well at least you learn to hit the ground and roll i guess right that's it mate yeah 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 <laughs> definitely and what was your first experience of racing abroad um my first experience was uh it was meant to be the the youth olympic games in nanjing uh, China in 2014, uh, I got selected and that was meant to be my, um, yeah, my first international debut, but I, um, I broke my collarbone in another bike crash, um, oh, about no. six weeks before. And, um, actually my, my housemate now, Jack Van Steck, he, uh, he took over the reins and competed for triathlon Australia in, in, in place of me. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a drap, but then the following year I competed in the, uh, the continental cup in Fiji, um, which I actually managed to win. Um, so that was that was pretty special to win my first overseas race. Nice, cool. And then 
All right, talk us through the race, the World Championships win for the World Junior Championships in 2017. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a funny one. Um, I remember the the previous year, well, I, my first experience in the World Championship scene in juniors was in Chicago 2015, and that was um, uh, made to be a duathlon um, due to thunderstorms and um, Lake Michigan just being um, an absolute ruckus. So um, we were forced to do a duathlon that year. I came fifth. When to come back the next year in Cozumel and, and hopefully like build on my, that performance and I got absolutely spanked. Um, I came 45th. Um, it was the worst uh, performance by a group of triathlon Australia juniors ever in the history. So I'll claim that. <laughs> um, and and then yeah, that 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 whole year following, I think it was just a big realization that I couldn't take take things for granted and I couldn't be complacent. Um, and obviously I had to capitalize on the talent that I had been identified as having, you know, early on in my career and work hard at it and came back stronger. Um, yeah. The next year in Rotterdam and just, I, I said to myself, I wasn't going to let anyone else beat me that day because I needed to come back stronger and, and fitter. And I ha- had gotten confidence from, um, from winning the, uh, the world championships mixed team real as well that year. Um, which is also a, a big thrill and my first World Cup win in Chengdu as well earlier on that year. So I think it kind of all snowballed towards the the Junior World Champs and I knew that was where I needed to be. Um, and I, I needed to be at the front of that race and really control it, um, which I did uh, like leading out of the swim. And then I knew it was a big focus to uh, stay upright on the bike because it was a very wet and, and cobbly bike. Um and so I managed to do that with a, a, a group of Norwegians and a few other guys and, um, yeah, managed to run away with it as well. And I was just like coming from 45th to 1st was just like a relief and like a big credit to, to all my supporters as well. So, yeah, I was, I was ecstatic for sure. And is that what led to you getting the selection for the Commonwealth Games senior race the following year? Possibly, yeah. I, I think that would have been a catalyst for sure. Um, and also in terms of the mixed team relay, being in the Commonwealth Games as well and being a part of that, very fortunate to be a part of that um, world championship team in Hamburg. Um, that was, yeah, definitely a catalyst to, to being selected. And I think, you know, maybe like at the start of 2017, I was like, or oh, like maybe like I could 40, 50% chance of making it if I have a good year. Yeah. And, you know, the breakout year that I had just proved that, you know, I was meant to be on the team. Um, and, yeah, just it all kind of formed together. And, yeah, November I was selecting the team. So, yeah, absolutely stoked. And obviously it's a, it's a big deal when you have a major event in your own country. Um, did it feel like a, like a hometown event for you being on the Gold Coast? I and mean, were you even living there then? Yeah, so I'd been on the Gold Coast for about um, maybe three years, two and a half, three years by then. Um, so, yeah, it, was, it definitely felt like home and, um, you know, training here with a group of 10 or 12 other athletes, coach under Dan Atkins, it was it was certainly, um, yeah, feeling like a home race and definitely the media um, took it that way as well. I think it was a bit of, I think maybe a little bit out of pressure considering that I was the, the home athlete um, for, for the Gold Coast Games and, um, which I, I try not to let bother me too much and just kind of keep my schedule as clear as possible leading in and, and not trying to, you know, a, a young 20-year-old go into his first major games of the Gold Coast and all the spotlights on him, you know, it can kind of get to you a little bit. But 
um, yeah, me and my coach Dan Atkins, we tried to you know keep a level head and just just embrace everything really as it comes. So, okay, and and how did that race play out for you then? Because obviously finishing finishing fourth in your first major championships as a senior is is an amazing result on paper. But I never know how that is in your head. I mean, it's one thing to say I didn't want to feel any pressure, but it's another thing to to actually... I mean, it wasn't long ago you were finishing 45th in the World Junior Championship. So to be in the mix for the podium at the Commonwealth Games in your hometown, it, that, that's a big jump, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'd probably say it's the, the best fourth place I'm, I'm ever going to get, mate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you never want to miss a podium by what, two seconds. I think it was to Mark Austin. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was a bit of a bit of a crazy race, really. I think it all just fell into place from the swim. Um, I got a really good start as normal, and I thought I definitely need to be up the front because you know Ali's just going to tow Johnny around this course and just make it make it hell for everyone else. Um, I knew that Ali wasn't running as well as he could have been, and probably wasn't shooting for a medal either. So. I think I knew he was going to destroy himself on that bike to to kind of give Johnny the best chance possible, which he did, um, and thankful for it as well because um, he towed me along with him as well. So, and we ended up having a you know, 25, 30 second gap into into T two, um, which proved to be the winning margin, the, the winning kind of factor for for Henry Schumann and. Um, yeah, I was able to finish off strongly in the run, um, the second lap, and yeah get that fourth place but um it was it was definitely it was it was hard going on the bike i remember that was probably one of the hardest bikes i've ever had to do ali and johnny were just smacking it um i don't think taylor reed was doing too much but he had no reason to um and then mark was doing a little bit as well so um yeah it was it was crazy work and then got to the run and 500 meters was strong and then just just stomach cramps and i was just like Running like an old man, <laughs> and, oh, uh, and seeing these guys like Jake and seeing like Jake and that fly by me, and I kind of muttered to him, "Go, mate, go on, get him," because I knew I was like I was fading. Um, and then yeah, they, it was funny that there was just like a moment where the crowd kind of just like lifted, lifted for me on that second lap and the last lap, and I was just like I was in, I know another world, and I just didn't want did not want anyone else to pass me. Um, yeah. And I, and I held off Richard Murray, held off Ryan Sissons, like some of my idols growing up and yeah, just finishing on that home straight was just, yeah, pretty special for sure. (laughs) I love that. So you managed to run, I've got the times up here in front of me. You managed to run 15 minutes, almost flat 15 minutes, 15 for your, for your 5k. And that's after struggling for a kilometer with stomach cramps and the dreaded stitch. Um, Mm-hmm. And and that's some big scalps you've taken there, isn't it? When you look down the list and you see, as you say, Ryan Sissons, Richard Murray, both the Brownlee brothers are there. Um, yeah. Massive performance in front of the home crowd. How did you feel crossing the line in fourth? Was it a case of, it sounds like you feel like you really pulled it out of the bag over the second half of the run. And Yeah, I, I definitely, towards the back end of that run, I was I was just believing in myself more and more. Um, yeah, and I just I just wanted to get there as as quick as possible. And uh, I was it was funny. It was a bit of a chicane leading into the into the finish straight, and um, on the big screen was at the end of sh- end of the chicane. And I think Mark Austin was maybe 
at that stage, maybe 10 or 15 seconds just in front of me. And he's, he's seen me up on the big screen as we were rounding to, to go into the, into the final shoot. And he's just freaked out and seen me coming like a steam train and he's just picked up another level. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was kind of a funny feeling. It was elation at first. And then it was like, damn, I've just missed like a medal. Yeah. At the Commonwealth. It was like at the same time being, you know, two seconds just in front of me. Um, but yeah, put it to, into perspective, you know, my mum and dad and my coach helped me do that. And it was like, yeah, realizing that was a really special performance. And, um, it was, it was pretty surreal at the, at the finish. I went to, I went to warm down on the, on the course and, uh, there was like still hundreds and hundreds of spectators out there on the course still, um, cheering my warm down on. And I was just <laughs> like, it, it was a bit of like a, just a, a, like a snapshot moment. Like you just say, like, say to yourself, remember this moment. Um, cause I was like going up to kids and get, you know, taking photos and getting autographs and just basically thanking them for, for being out there and supporting. And, and they were still like, still there, you know, an hour after the race, which is, I just find incredible and just so true to the Aussie spirit as well. So, um, that was definitely a special moment that stood out for me in the games. Yeah. What did your parents say after the race? Well, mum was actually volunteering um, at the race, so she got to she was like front row seats and kind of got to see the whole thing. So, um, awesome! Yeah, she was one of the one of the first um, persons outside the, outside of the guys, you know, that I embraced and um, yeah, basically just saying very proud and um, probably just as speechless as I was, and um, yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> is your dad a triathlete? Has he ever doubled in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll claim that I got him into it. Um, he he did he did a bit of swimming, um, like with a swim squad, um, and then we, yeah, when I started to get into some triathlons, he he got himself a bike and started doing a few of the local like monthly triathlons we had at in the Harvey Bay Triathlon Club. So um, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool to kind of go along those first steps of the journey with him um, by my side and. Yeah, he's, he's still dabbling in a bit of bit of training today. He went to a few world championships with me. Actually, he went to um to Chicago and competed as an age grouper, and also Cozumel and Rotterdam. So, um, yeah, he's been you know along the journey with me all the way. Nice. All right, so we've got the fourth place in the uh, the Commonwealth Games there, and then the next thing up is the mixed relays, and and I really wanted to talk to you in in detail about this because I don't. I don't think it's quite in the world consciousness yet, these mixed relays, because it hasn't featured in an Olympics. It's obviously been in two mm. sets of Commonwealth Games. And both times we've seen it at, at the major games, the reaction from the crowd has been, if anything, better than the reaction watching the actual um, Olympic distance race. And I think that's because it's so fast and furious and there's so much going on and the competition is so close and intense um, how long after the Commonwealth Games Olympic race was the mixed relays? Uh, we basically had a day day break in between, and then just it was a like day. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, which I guess is it, it isn't too bad because you're going from a sprint distance to a to a mixed team relay. If it was a Olympic distance to a mixed it, team, sorry, relay, yes, it was a sprint distance race, wasn't it? My mistake. I was going to say, yeah, wow, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was it was a little bit easier on the body to recover from a sprint distance and going in the the day after the, the day after the day after basically. Um, and yeah, yeah, we basically sat down on Friday night, I think it was, and, and talked over some team tactics and, 
Um, Jake is always going to finish off because you know he he does what he does in the in the back end and he's proven so many times he's got the the kick um, of a leopard in the uh, in the end straight. So um, and then yeah, Ash and having Ash and uh, and Gillian there as well was um, some some very strong females to finish it off. Did you uh, <clears throat> did you feel a lot of pressure going into that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes and no. I think I think in terms of the male side, it's a, it's a funny thing. Like I think Jake and I can kind of look back at the individual race and say that we've we've done our part, so to speak. You know, we've done done you know the very best we could and, and achieved some some great things in the individual race. Whereas I think Gillian and Ash felt like they they needed to prove something more of themselves. Um, in the mixed team relay, so I think that wasn't so much pressure put on them, but it was pressure put on them from themselves. Sure. Um, so I think in terms of that, they were probably feeling a little bit more pressure than I was. Um, but but definitely, I think um, being the reigning world champions or champions the the year previous in Hamburg, um, yeah, there was a little bit of added pressure, and we knew that the the British team was going to be, um, you know, all the way up there with us. So um, yeah. Good battle. Good battle. Yeah, good battle. It, it was funny. Um, uh, Jillian, Jillian had a cracker of a, of a first leg to stay with. I think it was Vicky Holland that led off for, for England. Um, and then I was, I was kind of like warming up and doing, like, doing some arm exercises before the swim. And Johnny comes over to me and says, we'll just, we'll just ride this one together. Hey, Matt. We'll, um, we'll, we'll take this one out together. And I said, yeah, yeah, too easy, mate. We'll just roll turns out there. So, so, so what we did, I think he jumped into the water about 10 seconds in front of me and then um, I came up to him on the swim and then we kind of worked together on the bike as, as well as possible to to really consolidate a gap because we knew that, you know, you can't really win the race from the second leg, but you can certainly lose it. So, um, yeah, we certainly tried to solidify a good gap um, and then, you know, Ash did what she did and um, gave it off a considerable margin to, to Jake and then Jake finished it off. So, um, but yeah, it was pretty cool saying, you know, Johnny Brownlee coming up to me and saying, can we, let's work together, Matt, on this uh, MTR, MTR leg. So, Well, when yeah. you look back on that, um, th- this is an interesting one because the Brownleys are renowned for not just being physically very, very talented, but also kind of the master of psychology of these races. And I'm wondering sure. whether if Johnny's come up to you and said, well, we'll ride this one together. I'm wondering whether there's an ulterior motive there. Yeah, well, <laughs> if Ali said that to me, there would definitely be an ulterior motive. I think <laughs> I think Johnny's too nice to play mind games like that, mate. Um, unless Ali told Johnny to say that, um, but which I don't think he did. But yeah, that, I don't think there was nothing nothing much more we could do. I think Johnny knew I, I was a strong streamer. I could I can hold his feet, and um, you know, it's quite hard to attack away from on the bike. So. Um, he basically just came down. He he was happy with leaving it down to the run, and we tagged basically at the same time. So, okay, um, yeah, it was yeah, it was it was, it was pretty cool. Though. Very cool. Yeah, I'd imagine running running side by side with uh, with one of the Brownleys in a championship event is a is a pretty peak experience. Definitely, yeah. I I, I still don't think those. Even I don't think Johnny was you know at his at his peak going to the games. Um, you know, he, he had a couple of injuries leading up. And a, and a bit of a form slump as well. So, but I mean, it's good to see him back at his best. Um, you know, at the latter end of last season as well. So, uh, yeah. And with, how f- with the respect that I, 
I think he could have been better. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very humble of you to say. <laughs> I think yeah. he he might have been glad to stay with you by the sound of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was just, I was just glad to be be along for the ride, mate. How fast are you guys running? So, so let's get this right. Three hundred meters, about eight k, and about two k. Is that the? I don't know if there is a standard distance. It seems a, to be about a mile, maybe. I think, and there uh, to finish off about a mile. It's about a mile, is it? Okay. And how fast are you guys covering the mile at the end of this? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to say, but like I would say maybe like two fifties, two fifty fives at the, at the end of a at the end of a hard bike. I would. I would say. Um, but yeah, you don't really think about pace. You kind of just like all out. Yeah. Because um, you know you just got to wring the tail out for the for the team, right? So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say a duck under duck under three minute k pace. So I'm trying to do the maths in my head. That's probably what would that be for. 4.30 a mile? Yeah, I don't, we don't operate in miles, mate, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that, that sounds about right. Have you done any track running? Have you got a, a bit of a history of athletics and doing anything on the track as a kid? I did a little bit, yeah. Um, probably up until the age of about 16 or 17. I remember my last, my last 3K run was maybe at 16 years of age i did an a32 at the state champs um, <laughs> okay. and and that was yeah that was probably my I hit my peak then <laughs> wow that's um, fast I, I think i repeated it maybe um I, I repeated the 3k last year and i did 814 which like obviously a considerable pb but yeah a, f- a few years down the track so um but yeah i certainly enjoyed track and and i whenever we get a chance to do a race here and in, in Queensland, or usually there's a few down in Victoria. Like I certainly jump at the chance outside of outside of the triathlon season. Have you uh, ever done a five k? Ever done a track five k? I've done a I've done a solo track five k, um, just with with someone running me through to two k. Okay, um, and that was um, maybe back in 2016, 2017. That was that was fourteen twenty four. Okay, um, yeah, solid. I, I actually just did one last Thursday um, because everyone's everyone's doing five k road races at the moment. You know, Christian Blumenfeld and Richard Murray at a, at a stunner. I'm sure he talked about it. Yeah, his, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, we were just talking about this a couple of days ago. That's it's just gone live um, today, actually, as we speak. Um, so, yeah. so, so, what are your thoughts as you're seeing these guys doing that? I think I saw last night late on Instagram that Christian had gone thirteen fifty. Was it fifty one? Something yeah, like that. Fifty one. Oh, it's impressive. It's uh, certainly Richards was um, a step above the rest. I might like to check his Strava file one more time and just to see if it was accurate. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think like in, the Ingbrixtons, um did did a did a road five k and they only ran a little bit quicker. So um, yeah, certainly certainly very good. Um, I know it, it doesn't mean too much in terms of triathlon, right? It's um, you know it's all about strength off the bike and um responding to attacks and you know responding to to the race um but yeah i i, I personally have had been planning on doing one for a, for a few months um just to have something to work towards and something to aim towards um i did a, i think i did 1403 last thursday um on the road Solid. Um, yeah just just with just solo and with a bike behind me um so yeah it was it was pretty good and it was kind of like a a good confidence boost throughout this period and you, know, you don't really have too many markers to to set yourself against um but yeah it was kind of good to see a few of the guys go out and 
give a hit out and yeah good to good to put my name amongst them as well do you get a sense there's um is there a little bit of sort of lockdown rivalry going on with you guys like you can't race each other in real life but do you think people are starting to oh he's done this so i'll have a go and yeah definitely i think there's some subtle flexes going on especially in the, uh, <laughs> in the realm of in the realm of zwift i think i think a lot of people are, are putting down some impressive wattages and i'm just watching all these wattages go by and just going my oh my <laughs> yeah so yeah, the, the 5k road road is um could be the new zwift i don't know the, the old 5k road tt yeah Let's maybe hey i'll give you a tip i saw this on on the can't remember which which website but apparently if you put one of those old school food mixers next to your laptop as you're riding on zwift it picks up an extra 400 watts so you can <laughs> you can have that flicked on for the final sprint <laughs> I heard also setting your weight 20 kilos less gives you a few more watts as well. So uh, I don't know about you, man. My my weight's gone the other way. I've got 20 extra kilos during lockdown. It's killing me. Oh, you don't, don't put that on Zwift though, though. <laughs> yeah, mate. Don't put that on Zwift. Mate, as, as a guy that's weighing in about 80 kilos at the moment, Zwift is a, is a killer for me, especially up hills and stuff. So Yeah, it's a heartbreaker, yeah. isn't it? When you, you ride with guys on Zwift who you ride with in the real world and they're 15 minutes faster than you up the Alp and you're thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. I know. I'll, I'll stick to real life racing, mate, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> how's, how's lockdown been for you, if, if you do call it that over in Australia? How's, how's that affected sort of your society and your ability to train and, and things like that? What's your day-to-day experience been like? Um, to be honest, at the start, um, it wasn't too much different from the norm. I think we just had to um, split up as a training squad. We, we're normally about 10 of us um, train every day, seven days a week with each other. So um, so basically, yeah, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm living with a training mate of mine, Jack, um, and we've basically just been going on rides and runs and a couple of swims pro- probably should start swimming a bit more now. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, just, just doing bits and pieces with each other and because I think we're allowed to allowed to train with um, one other person. So, um, But in terms of everything else, I think um, it was a little bit more relaxed in Australia and I think that was uh, a lot, that's a lot to be grateful for. I, I know definitely in, in, um, in clusters of civilizations like, you know, England and, and Spain and Italy and the terrible things that have happened in New York as well as um, there's a lot to be thankful for, you know, being a bit more spread out here in Australia. So, um, and obviously the beaches were remain the same um, as well. So it was basically just a matter of social distancing um, and kind of isolating yourself day to day and just getting mm. the essentials. Yeah. And how's it affecting you in terms of not having any, not having any concrete dates on the calendar for when you're going to get to race? And in terms of like, are you someone who's driven by training to do a race or are you more driven to train just for the sake of training? I'm definitely, I'm definitely driven to train for a race or for, for something. Um, so yeah, I guess in terms of not having any, any real idea or, or clarity on, on race dates. Um, I did struggle grappling with that at the start and obviously having the date of the Olympics in my mind, even though I hadn't been selected, um, at that stage or haven't been selected yet, hopefully I will be. Um, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, not, not having the Olympics there, I think to aim for was a kind of a big blow, um, mentally and I, I, yeah, I took a little bit of time away from training and away from triathlon to, to just, uh, just chill out and spend time with some family and friends and, 
Um, but now I think now I think things are starting to solidify in terms of you know some some things mentioning um, you know some races uh, to be held maybe in September. Um, I know that there's talk of some Oceania races being held within Australia, just between Australia and New Zealand um, around those dates. So yeah, I think that that's a good kind of sign for me to start working backwards as to what gaps I need to fill in now with my training um, and yeah, trying to, yeah, trying to be race ready for then. But you know, September isn't going to be the Olympics. So I think in terms of stressing about physical shape and, and form, um, you know, I'm pretty relaxed at the moment and, you know, my, my sights firmly set on next year for the, for the Olympics. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. how, in fact, I'm going to come to that in a minute. Selection for the Olympics is obviously is obviously the big thing. How and when do the Australians make their selection? And is it is it a case of they're going to select people both for the Olympic distance race and for the mixed relay? Does the mixed relay team have to come from the Olympic squad? How does it all work? Yeah, I, th- I think with the mixed team relay, there's a lot of different dynamics thrown in this time around. And I think a lot of nations... Um, uh, you know, variant of their certain selection spots, whether they get two or three athletes. I think there's a lot of um, manipulation and some tactics to play, I think. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of Australia, we're obviously um, a strong medal chance um, for the Olympics in, in terms of the mixed team relay. So I think that'll be uh, a big focus in terms of selection. Um, and wh- whether or not they, they choose one or two athletes to focus on for the individual, you know, they'll, they'll do that. But um, for us, it's completely discretionary um, at the moment. So it'll go to a board of selectors, um, I'd say maybe May next year, May to June. The, the dates haven't been worked out yet and they'll kind of meet and decide on um, based on previous performances or if there's any races from now up until then yeah. um, as to what team to select. So. But yeah, I think I think discretionary is probably a good move considering there's so many elements of you know having both the mixed team relay and the Olympic distance triathlon in the Olympics. So um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what we go with. So well, it does seem like Australia is going through a real a real revival, a real purple patch at the moment in terms of your strength and depth on the men's side, as well as you. You've got Jake Burtwistle, Luke Willen, Aaron Royal, Ryan Bailey arguably you've got sort of five or six potential medalists right there before you even bring the mixed relay into the mix as well. Um, who do you see as your big, almost as your big competition for making the squad? Yeah, I think there's definitely like six guys that could, that could definitely make the squad and depending on selection spots, hopefully we get three that, you know, we basically all got a 50% chance of making the team. So, um, but then again, I think there's some guys like like your Jakes and your Aaron's who have a lot more experience, and certainly Jake, the the form he's been in last year, getting um, a few WTS victories, um, he's certainly a front runner for selection. Um, and then Aaron Royal having the experience up front and the swim bike that he does, and uh, the experience of Rio. Um, same with Ryan Bailey and, and Luke Willens, proving himself to be strong over the uh, over the Olympic distance as well. So. Um, yeah, there's definitely a number of factors that'll go into it, but yeah, I think, you know, Jake's certainly, uh, certainly the front runner for the, um, for the team at the moment. Okay. Um, in terms of, we, we touched a little bit earlier on, on your 
pretty horrific bike crash that you had after the Commonwealth Games. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about that, but in but specifically about how you think. Seems like you've had a lot of experience of of bouncing back from setbacks with broken collarbone, with the bike crash. How do you think mm. that has? Um, how's that mindset helped you during this time of not really knowing when the next races are going to be coming along? Yeah, in terms of like adversity, as you mentioned, I think I kind of relish it and, you know, take it on board as a positive thing because, um, yeah, so many things can be over overthought and um, stressed out about that isn't in, in your control, right? So I think as long as you accept um, the position you're in and you know that, know that it's for a greater purpose, um, I think that's that's what I've done over the years. You know, starting with you know missing out on the Youth Olympic Games to um, performing horribly in uh, Mexico Cozumel World Championships. You know, you know, and then coming back the next year. I think it's it's a good thing for me to to have adversity, and throughout this period is definitely some sort of adversity um, because I know that that counts um, that counts for you know shutting out all um all thought of um you know feeling feelings of like comfort and complacency um which you know are negative things in terms of performance barriers and you know wanting to get better and better and better so i think for me to keep on challenging myself in that way and you know taking adversity as a positive is um yeah is has been good for me so far in my career and i'll continue to do so okay and and the big bike crash that you had talk us through exactly what happened there and what your recovery was like from that yeah so it was basically like a week after yokohama um my first olympic distance race on the on the circuit um and yeah it was basically a regulation training ride i came down um hit by a door on the side of the road um needed to get a shoulder reconstruction and broke my fifth metacarpal as well so uh, there was a couple of surgeries there and it was about i think four to four to six months um you know back to back to normal training um and i my first race back was around singapore um when when we had the super league race there in in 2019 so um it was a funny one i think but for me the main objective of 2018 was the commonwealth games and to be able to have that ticked off and and do really well at that um i think you know everything else was just going to be a bonus so i think you know it wasn't you know, the worst timing for, for something like that to happen, um, you know, if it was ever going to happen. So um, it definitely did take a lot of commitment and, like, coming back and rehabbing my shoulder and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I proved that I did that all right when I won the uh, won the blue jersey in Singapore um, the next year. So, yeah, it was, it was just a matter of just taking a step back from the sport, I think, and just realising that everything happens for a reason and knowing that I had ticked off the major goal for the year. Yeah. And how's your experience of racing Super League been then? I'd imagine with it being the, the super short, fast format, it really suits you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think I really thrive off the, the super short, sharp stuff. I, I almost get a bit bored in Olympic distance races because it gets a bit mundane in the bike. And um, yeah, I don't know, it goes for two hours or so. So I think the Super League stuff I really enjoy because um, it's it's racing at its purest Um you know, often like I really respect Ironman and and seventy point three athletes, but I think um, half the time it's a race within yourself um, for, for the for those kind of events and stuff. So um, yeah, for me to kind of go get out there and compete 
um, at, at its purest form against like high quality athletes like Vincent Louis is just a machine, and you know Chris and Blumenfeld um, and guys like that, and Hayden Wild and you know, up and comers is. Uh, it's been a great journey so far and, and they make it so fun as well. And it's, it's kind of a, a big, one big happy family um, outside of racing in inside of racing, you kind of want to rip each other's heads off, but <laughs> outside, of, outside of racing, you know, you it's, it's one big happy fit, happy family and they make it very um, community felt um, within the super league family. So it's always a pleasure. Yeah. It did seem like that when I, I went and watched out at Malta and we went to the athlete hotel and it, it felt a bit like, everyone was away on holiday where they where yeah. they trained and raced together for for a week and a half in the sun and then went on to the next thing it was a real it was a really interesting environment to, to get an insight into yeah definitely and i think like it's it's such a contrast to itu racing where um like you're all split up into individual countries and you know not much banter goes on whereas in super league you're thrown into you know a big pool of, pool of athletes um and you know it's also um, normally events come towards either the front end or the back end of the season. So I think things are a bit more relaxed in terms of um, performance goals and stuff like that, but you still want to do, you still want to do your best and you still want to get that prize money. So, yeah. yeah. Any hints yet as to when Super League races might happen? Have you heard anything on the, uh, on the underground? I haven't, but even if I did, did hear, I couldn't tell you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to <laughs> ask. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope soon. I hope soon. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Hey. Going soon. All right, man, listen, it's been awesome catching up with you for a, a great interview. Thanks very much for your time. Um, one last thing to end you on. What would be the big dream for you for, for Tokyo when it finally comes around? Uh, the big dream, I think, would to be a part of the team first and foremost and, and get there and, and get there happy and healthy. Um, and the second would be... Um, a gold medal in the mixed team relay. That would be, um, that would be the, uh, the big dream and, and a realistic one as well. Fantastic. All right, mate, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really, really enjoyed that, actually. I think Matt is a really great guy. Um, it's a shame you can't see the video of this because Matt's like a real fresh face, does he? And he's always smiling and grinning and, and laughing as he's talking. And, uh, and you got a real sense of just fun and enjoyment from chatting with him. And I've got to say, after the interview, I ended up pretty excited to uh, to just get out and do some training and go for a swim he's kind of got an infectious enthusiasm about him and uh you know what I, I know i should be i know i should be willing for the for the brits to win but after chatting with matt i really think i've got a bit of a <laughs> bit of a bit of a secret wish for him and his friends to do well i've got to say so yeah really enjoyed that and i hope you enjoyed it too um as always let us know what you think about the interviews over on twitter and instagram we are at ohry podcast over on twitter and on instagram we're oxygen addict triathlon podcast um and yeah that that pretty much brings us to the end of today's show i've got some discount deals and codes for you to finish with you can use the code oxygen addict 15 at precisionhydration.com to get 15 percent off your first electrolyte order you can use the code oxygen addict 10 for 10 percent off all home blood test subscriptions at thriver.co remember you can also pick yourself up a coronavirus antibody test there as well while you're at it if that's a kind of thing you want to check out 
Um, over at teamoxygenetic.com, you can sign up for a year's coaching. If you can get in by the end of May, we'll extend your coaching to the end of September 2021 if you sign up for an annual set of coaching there. So that's two race seasons for the price of one. Who knows? We might be able to get you, <clears throat> might be able to get you into great shape this summer, even if you don't end up getting to do any racing. I think you will. I think there'll be racing happening in September of this year. So uh, regardless, Get in, get some training, nutrition advice, heart rate variability guidance with us. We'll get you into the best shape of your life. Remember, there's links in the show notes for all of these sponsors so you don't have to remember them. And until next week, have a great safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. See ya. See ya.